0: welcome to this episode of Ann Arbor AF, a podcast for folks trying to figure out what's going on in Ann Arbor. We discuss current events in local politics and policy, governance, and other civic good times. I'm Jess Leetaw, and I'm here with co-host Molly Kleinman. We both use she, her pronouns. We're here to help you get informed and get involved. It's your city. Let's jump in.
1: Today, we're talking about the next city council meeting coming up on Thursday, May 5th, which had me really confused when I was looking for the agenda today, we'll be talking, uh, touching on a few interesting agenda items, including budget, tax collection, and spending. So money, money, and money. A quick process note, we record this a few days before the council meeting, which means there will likely be some changes to the agenda between now and then. First up, we have a feature that we're gonna be adding to our episodes between now and the election, which is a quick little election update. So We want to be able to highlight some ways for people to get involved as as the election is coming up, make sure everyone's ready and has the timeline in their heads because a lot of what we're going to be focusing on is actually the primary, which is in August. Um, As we think of ways for people to get involved, we are going to make it a point to make sure that some of them are what we are calling introvert approved.
0: Introvert approved.
1: I think there's this idea that Uh, campaigning and volunteering for a campaign means you have to talk to strangers all the time. And that is a really valuable way to volunteer, but it's not the only one. And so we're going to make sure we think about and talk about some of the other possible ways that you can help um, help with help the candidates that you care about get elected this year.
0: And if you do have to talk to strangers, maybe ways to make it a little bit less painful.
1: Yeah, I have to say I was not I was terrified by the whole idea of having to talk to strangers. The first time I volunteered on an election was the Obama campaign in 2008. And I had this idea. I was like, I have to do it. We really need to beat the Republicans. I will, I'll go in once a week. I'll, I'll see if maybe they'll let me like stuff envelopes or do anything else. And then, you know, I show up at the office and they were like, no, we need you to make phone calls. This is what we need you to do. And so I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. I don't think I'm going to like it, but this is really important. And I started making phone calls and it turns out that most of the people who are going to be mean are not going to be mean. They're just going to hang up or they're not going to answer. And that the people you do get to talk to will like tell you about their hopes and dreams and fears about their lives and what's happening in the world. And it's actually kind of amazing. And I... I didn't know it was going to be like that. And I got super into it. And I ended up phone banking like multiple times a week and door knocking every weekend. And that was really a big that was a big entry point for me into participating in politics. And it was national politics, but, you know, locally. For sure. And I think.
0: I don't know if people would like look at us and know this, but both of us are introverts. Yeah. Um, I think you would be introvert plus, and I might be introvert light. Um, but both of us approach campaigns and how we contribute to them in really particular ways, informed in large part by how we think about how we interact with people. And we wanted to bring
1: that to you listeners, because we thought there might be a few introverts among you as well. Yeah. I mean, so I have to admit, I think I'm actually a shy extrovert. So I do, I do get that energy. And I think that's part of why I ended up loving it. But getting over that terror of talking to strangers was very real for me. Like it was hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's the getting involved part. Uh, We will do a ballot, a full ballot explainer episode like we did last year, where we'll talk through everything that's on the ballot But in general, we are going to be focusing on the down ballot stuff. There's like statewide races and judge races, and we're mostly focused super duper local. So what that means for this year, and especially for August, is that there will be open council seats in all five wards, plus the mayor, county commission seats. Some of the state House and Senate races are contested in the primary and some are not, and it will depend on where you live. And then there's going to be a transit millage for the triple ATA. So that's what's on what's we're going to be voting on Jess. Can you talk about the all the details,
0: the mechanics? Yeah. So mechanics, part of yeah. the reason that we're talking about elections now is you may or may not know that there is a primary election in August. You may or may not have known that this was an election year to start with, because a lot of folks kind of peg their uh, election expectations around presidential election years, which is years divisible by four. Um, but halfway in between those are what's called midterm election years, which is what we're in. And then there's typically a partisan primary, so you pick what party you're going to um, vote for the folks that are running in those races. And then in November, that's when you say, "I want the Democrat," "I, w- I want the Republican," "I want." The Green Party. I want this dude who's not party affiliated, uh, but seems like they have some pretty good ideas. So the partisan primary matters so much in Ann Arbor because we are not a one party town, but we largely vote like we are. Um, We are majority, majority, majority Democrat when it comes to polling behavior, which means. For us, fundamentally, our races are decided in the primary, especially races for which there end up being no Republican contenders. And for our local stuff, uh, which is city council and mayor and the Ann Arbor commission seats, that's typically true. So this is something that I I try to highlight in a lot of my conversations is that partisan primaries in a city like Ann Arbor are the deciders for our hyper-local races, so it's important to pay attention to them. As Molly said, there's, uh, there's a council seat in all five wards that are up. Midterm election years are when in Ann Arbor our mayors are elected. And so no matter where you live in Ann Arbor, these elections affect who represents you, every single person. So the partisan primary this year is August 2nd, or as you may know it, the day before my sister and also Molly's birthdays, very Uh important. Uh, So the voting that is election day, but Because we now have absentee voting and, thanks Michigan, no reason absentee voting, you can actually start voting several weeks before up to and including June 23rd. So starting June 23rd, you can vote by mail or at the city clerk's office. Um, By mail, you'd probably wanna do up to maybe the week before. And then after that, you'd probably wanna deliver your ballot to the city clerk's office. As, uh, when it comes to voting in person you can vote at the city clerk's office up to the day before election day and then on election day you go find your polling place you cast a vote you get a sticker the sticker is very important if you're not sure whether and where you're registered to vote you can check that on the secretary of state's website and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes molly did i miss anything that people need to know
1: I think the, that's the big stuff. So we're going to, rather than doing just one election episode, we're going to sprinkle this throughout the episodes that we record through the spring and summer so that you're always getting a little taste of election stuff as we, as we gear up. And we wanted to, to kick it off um, in their first, the first episode of May, although technically it's not May yet. It'll be are. May
0: in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, put the,
0: put the elections, both of them coming up this year on your calendar first Tuesday in August and second Tuesday in November, and be ready to shout at people on your ballot. Yay. Yay. All right. Want to talk about the agenda? Yes. Cool. All right. We had a couple of consent agenda items that we wanted to say a couple of things about. I'm going to start with CA 10, which is the resolution to assess certain delinquent municipalities utility charges as a tax and ordering collection thereof. There is almost nothing special about this. It's a standard action where certain overdue bills are switched from being considered as bills to being added to the property tax and assessed that way. This is supported by the city charter and in terms of timing, it looks like uh, the city is getting ahead of the July tax roll. I wanted to talk about it because the agenda item talks about resources for folks behind on their utilities and my hope is, and it, I'm speaking this to existence, or it already exists. and I'm just like yay. My hope is that it's a robust process for connecting those people to those resources. So, for example, in the resolution, one of the resources that they name is the barriers busters. Excuse me, the barrier busters program, which has processes and resources for helping folks get up, caught up on their bills, but it really needs a social services advocate to work with the residents to complete the process. So is is that connection made? Is the city connecting you to the social services person that's connecting you to Barrier Busters and walking you through that? That's my question.
1: So I know actually a tiny bit about the Barrier Busters program, which is that it's mostly administered through various nonprofits and agencies in the city. I think with the idea that those organizations are equipped to provide some of that support to people who need it. So that's part of it.
0: That's fine. I'm, I'm coming at this from, uh, to, I, I saw this actually and called a couple of people who I know have had trouble in the past. And I, I said, I don't need to know everything about your circumstance. But I know that you participated in Barrier Busters, and I'm curious about your experience. And just the two people that I talked to said that they found it difficult. Um, And so I I am delighted that Ann Arbor is well-resourced enough that we do have these resources available. And overall, the total dollar amount is relatively low. And looking at the the parcels for the bills that are being assessed a lot of them are not individuals. Like there are a bunch of folks at Briarwood Mall that owe money. There's a, one of the biggest bills, maybe the biggest bill in the city. Sorry guys, I'm going to out you is a fraternity. Um, oh. Right. And, and there's a number of business addresses in there. So um, I I don't think that this all comes down to vulnerable individuals, but a hundred percent, some of it does. Right. And, and we know that there is nothing that'll make you poorer than being poor and getting behind on something. It is really hard to get caught up on that and then the million other things that you get behind on. So I just, I have some anxiety that we are a well-resourced community. We clearly have resources available. I hope that those resources are well-connected to the people who need them. And that's all I wanted to say. I did want to mention something else that made me happy. So the resolution, it's really just a very mechanical thing about switching dollars from one bucket to another bucket. But it does acknowledge that delinquent bills are often a product of a vulnerability of some kind or another. And one of the things that the resolution clarifies is that water shutoffs are absolutely not part of the process and that this isn't that either. So I appreciated seeing that.
1: That is really great because water shutoffs have been a big problem in other communities in in the state so Michigan
0: yep mm-hmm. yeah. So what is your consent agenda feeling?
1: Mine is CA-15, which is a resolution to award a construction contract. I'm not going to go into the, that's a very long resolution title, but the key part is that it's the construction contract for the 2022 street resurfacing project. So this is a single contract that will fund all of the street resurfacing that happens through construction season of Ann Arbor. When I first moved here, someone made that joke about there's two seasons here, winter and construction. And so this is the funding for construction season, specifically for the roads. And the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because right there in the name of the resolution is all of the different funding sources that that we will be tapping in order to fix our roads few weeks ago when we were talking about the ARPA funds, these special funds from the federal government for pandemic relief, there was a uh, proposed amendment that would have taken funding that we were, the city was planning to use and ultimately decided to use for a basic income pilot to give to some of the people who've been hit hardest by the pandemic and put it into the road fund to fix, to fix the roads. And one of the, one of my big objections was that there are already many sources of funding for the roads. And then here we are, we've got them deli- like just listed out for us. So there's the street bridge and sidewalk millage fund. There's the local street fund, which is for traffic calming. There's the sidewalk construction millage fund. There are county road millage funds, a stormwater fund, a sewage disposal fund, a water supply system fund, and then uh, another water, maybe those are the same water supply system funds. So and the, all of these funds are going into road construction. None of these funds can be used for a basic income pilot. They can only be used for the roads or things related to the roads, like the sewage system. So I just this just felt like the perfect outline of what we were talking about when we were trying to say, you can fund the roads in other ways. You cannot fund basic income any other way. Meanwhile, it's also great that we're gonna be spending about $8 million, $8.5 million dollars fixing the roads this year and there's there are a lot of if you want to see the maps of what all's getting fixed up you can get to that through the, the council agenda item there's some new sidewalks getting built that always makes me happy but that's really that was really why I wanted to talk about this.
0: Yep, we we've brought up that the the roads and basic income thing. I think every episode since it happened, you and I both had some sensitivities about that. It yeah. was that it happened, but it was also it felt like bad process and a million different things. So I'm I'm glad you brought this one up. Yeah. Speaking of bringing things up again, <laughs> I want to talk about DC too which is the resolution for the city of Ann Arbor. Anyway, it's the NACA one. Um, Wait, but what's NACA? I know, I know. So if you listened to our episode last time, you know a little bit of what I'm getting ready to say. NACA is the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. They have a program enabling... Uh, lending to low and low middle income households for mortgages. So they really remove or reduce a lot of the barriers. They make funding available. They work with investors in particular way. And so it is a way for people to access home ownership that might otherwise be really challenged to do so or not able to do so at all. The resolution in particular directs the city administrator to look into this organization and its programs and if it's determined to be relevant and useful to support communications to Ann Arbor employees and its residents about the organization and its programs, to facilitate messaging to city union representatives and to allow NACA workshops on city properties pending a safe determination to do so re-COVID where did this come from? Ward 3 resident Brian Chambers wrote a white paper analyzing Ann Arbor's middle income needs that culminates in the uh, essentially conclusion that home ownership is the most direct, most efficient, most productive way to get at uh, solving those issues. And the call to action is really for the area's largest employers and labor organizers to support NACA. This was brought up in the last City council meeting and postponed. So now it's back. I will refer you to our last episode for the long bit of thoughts that I had on this. Essentially, what I took aim at is home ownership as a means of accomplishing. Housing. I, I, what I wanted to do really was draw this di- distinction between home ownership and housing, and working on one is not necessarily the same as working on the other. I just wanted to make that really clear, and I drove that home, point home a lot. This time, I want to dunk a little bit harder on council sponsoring a program from a specific nonprofit. If you want to explore and promote home as a means of reducing wealth gaps in Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County, I, I think that that's a conversation worth having. Although I did just come across a book yesterday by a lady named Jenny Schutz, who wrote a book called Fixer Upper. It's essentially a systemic analysis of housing issues in the country. And I can't wait to read it. I couldn't get my hands on it in time for this episode, but uh, fortunately today is independent bookstore day. So it is a great day to order fixer upper if anybody else wants to do that too. And Jenny Schutz, who's my new best friend and doesn't know how much she agrees with me. One of her chapters is that home ownership should be only one income or excuse me, only one component of a family's wealth. And I agree with that really hard. So my politics around wealth generation aside if the city wants to promote homeownership as a larger part of its policy and strategy goals, please do it. Focusing on NACA in this way feels really inappropriate and kind of icky to me. And we don't see any other nonprofit get singled out for this kind of focus, including community cornerstones like the United Way, who, by the way, already promote NACA locally or the Habitat for Humanity or nonprofits that the city already regularly contracts with, including the Community Action Network of Ann Arbor and Avalon Housing. We work with these organizations all the time, and we do not promote individual organizations for a lot of really good reasons, because government should not be in the business of promoting single businesses. And NACA, while a nonprofit, is also a business. Lending municipal energy and by by extension municipal credence to a single nonprofit and one single program, to me, feels distorted and really misguided. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So... If we want to work on home on home ownership, let's work on home ownership. Really not a fan of this NACA resolution. And if it ended up not passing, I would be OK with it. If it ends up passing, it's just a series of directions to the city administrator. It, it's not anything about like what would get implemented out of it. So I'm uh, I, I have medium feelings, but not huge feelings like I don't love it. But what did we say, Molly, last time? We're aggressively fine.
1: Aggressively fine.
0: Yes. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine, but I don't love it. (laughs) And I really don't love that we're shining a light on one nonprofit and one program. I think that there are other ways to accomplish
1: our community's goals
0: than that kind of action. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of goals.
1: Yeah, the big one. So next up is PH8, so Public Hearing 8, which is the resolution to adopt the Ann Arbor City Budget and Related Property Tax Millage Rates for Fiscal Year 2023. This is the this is step one of part one of two of adopting the budget for next year. So this is the public hearing. The actual vote will happen at the next city council meeting. They are required by I think the charter or maybe it's the state even to pass the budget within in May. And so we're on time to do that. So we're talking about the budget. You may recall that last year we talked a lot more about the budget and. I thought we thought that we would be talking more about the budget in general because we keep saying that budgets are moral documents and that a lot of the issues that we come up against throughout the year, if there's a a specific purchase that we don't like, like tasers for the police department, those actually the votes on those specific spending things are not really the opportunity to, to fight back. The opportunity was months earlier when the budget was being about, decided upon, and you know, let's not budget for tasers next year as one example. Here's the thing. It turns out, following and participating in the budget process is really hard, and it's harder than we thought it was going to be. and so. We're struggling with it. And in, we knew we needed to talk about the budget this year and in this episode. but we've like it, we' <laughs> it's lost us at this point. And so I think we wanted to just sort of work through that a little bit with you all. And part of it is that at this point, we've been doing the show for like a year and a half. We have learned a ton. There are a lot of things about how the city operates that I understand pretty deeply where when we started doing this, I maybe didn't understand them at all. And I would have thought that the budget would be one of those things where we would be a lot more confident at this point. It's the second time now, like second time around with the budget, we would know what to tell you and we would know what's going on. And we just don't. And part of it was bandwidth this year. We didn't track it as closely. We didn't try to track it as closely. The city did something different this year. Last year, there were a bunch of hearings about different areas of the budget. And this year... There were not hearings. Instead, there were just videos that were made available publicly and to council to watch. But when something's not on the calendar, it's often harder to track or remember that you need to do it. So like we didn't watch any of those videos and we didn't tell you all to watch those videos. That
0: was part of it. And a part of it for me, I I followed along with a bunch of the budget work sessions last year. And more than half of the value of following along was the dialogue that happened after. Council members had an opportunity to ask the staff members, typically the department head, about specific line items in their budget or changes year over year or something like that. And I felt like I got so much context and color from those conversations part of me didn't bother with watching the budget presentations this year, because I was like, I I don't actually know if I'll understand what I'm looking at without that dialogue.
1: Yeah, that's totally part of it. So, you know, I think just maybe we've changed our minds a little bit, maybe about the importance of, of acting and intervening on the budget itself, right? I think maybe what we've, what one of the things that I think I've learned is that the priority setting often happens separate from the budget itself. And that that is really the thing to be pushing on and working on. Jess is over here nodding. Do you have more you want to You're say?
0: Nodding. I'm 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 resisting chiming in really quickly because I don't know if I know what my lessons learned are. Mm-hmm. I'm still very deep in the confusion state where I'll, I'll echo your thoughts a little bit where I started in following the agenda was watching the purchases and being like, oh, we should have opinions on these uh, individual purchase decisions. But once something shows up on the consent agenda, it's not that it's a Dundale, it's not a rubber stamp, but that is an expression of a really long process. It's the final expression of a really long process. Like by the time they're ready to write the check, many decisions have been made uh, ahead of that. So I rolled it up to the budget. I was like, okay, let's work on the budget. And then being a part of making those decisions is how you affect the individual purchases. But we still see stuff show up all the time that make us feel kind of cringy. And yet we know this is a part of a budget that everybody's agreed on since the last year and I was telling Molly in our preparation conversation for this episode before we started recording, I get real hesitant when the impetus to do something gets governed by wait, do it bigger, wait, do it bigger and, or wait, do
1: something else first. That that's really what gives me cause. Like you were saying, like, you can't, you can't fix X until you fix Y, you can't right. fix Y until you fix Z. And then, yeah, there's this feeling of like, you're there's always something bigger you need to fix in order to get to the problem you are trying to fix.
0: Right, and I, I think that's kind of why I'm in my confusion state because I actually do believe that. And where I'm at is I think our policy and strategy documents aren't totally in service of our values in the future that we want to see yet. We have left ourselves enough latitude that we are buying electric pickup trucks, <laughs> which Molly did a really nice job telling us in the last episode why this doesn't necessarily hit uh, all of our goals or fulfill all of our values. So I do think actually that we have additional work to do on our strategy and policy documents because not only the budget is a moral document, but it is also an expression of the priorities that we've said we have. So in things like the policy agenda, A20, Vision Zero, I think we've got room to get a lot more specific and ambitious about what we're asking for. And until then, maybe asking the budget to do it is not the right ask. And I'm saying that with a question mark cause I'm not totally sure.
1: Right, cause I mean, so last year, I think I think sometimes we end up in this situation where the budget is not a reflection of what we say our priorities and values are. And that's where some sort of public attention can be valuable. So for example, last year, the city adopted the Moving Together Towards Vision Zero plan. In that plan was a pretty ambitious recommendation around doing what are called quick build projects. So projects that can make the road safer, uh, often for everyone, without totally rebuilding the entire road. You repaint it, you put in some, delin- some vertical elements, and you can you can improve, you can slow down speeds and improve safety but there was nothing in the budget for it. And uh, council member Briggs successfully brought an amendment to get some funding in there for some quick build projects. And we just saw the draft plans for those quick build projects at transportation commission. So they're, now they're happening. If she hadn't brought that amendment, it would have been an unfunded mandate. And so I, I do think we have to be making sure that the things we say are our values are represented in the budget. I'm just still not totally sure how or when. Mm -hmm.
0: And another thing that we talked about is how much of this difficulty is by design, Mm -hmm. right? And Molly and I have a little bit of dynamic tension around this where I feel like it's not necessarily intentional, but also not a lot of attention is being paid to how to bring people into this process and get them engaged, not to say, I want you to say X or Y or Z about the budget, but this is how you can give us meaningful feedback. These are the goals that we've set. Is this budget helping fulfill the goals and what you want to see? I don't, I don't feel like we're being excluded because nobody wants us in there. I feel like Attention and priority is not being paid to communication about it. And I I feel like that's a meaningful distinction. And by the way, if anybody's listening who makes decisions about these things, I wish you would. I wish you would prioritize communication. I wish you would spend time and resources thinking about how to render a budget more legible and more fun and interesting to engage for the community and not another community survey as much as I love those. (laughs) But ways to really bring people into the conversation because budgets can be really alienating documents. They're hard to read. They're hard to interpret. When you say, does this line item line up with our values? That is a tough question to answer. And I I don't have the answer to how that gets done, but we're not doing it at all. And I'd love to see us do something.
1: And maybe, maybe this is something where it really is the role of council members and that we didn't, you know, we didn't get to see the, the work that our council members were doing because there weren't these working sessions, but maybe they actually are doing this work. And it's just something that's not visible to us because, you know, we, we sometimes really hammer on uh, public engagement as being not the thing that because of who, who gets heard at public engagement, usually who is able to participate whose voice then is shaping a conversation. It's the same privileged homeowning older white people most of the time. So maybe we don't, you know, not maybe, we definitely don't need that kind of public engagement around the budget. But going from public sessions, public work sessions to no public events that led up to this budget that I'm aware of, to me felt intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that was a choice. And maybe it was about the pandemic affordances of being more virtual. I don't know, and of course, the city has undergone like lots of leadership upheaval in the last few years too. So that what where we are right now is not necessarily an indication of what this process will look like in the future. But I just I'm just really still wrestling with how do how do you get involved on this on this particular very important vote that's coming up? Um, and I figured we should just be transparent about <laughs> the struggle.
0: Uh, so if you do get informed and get involved, let us know. <laughs>
1: yeah, give us. We would love some suggestions, uh, some advice because it does. It feels important. It is important, but uh, yeah, we don't know what to tell you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep the 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 note on our sheet for today says
1: we're struggling and we are a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the public hearing. If you've got stuff you feel strongly about, you can call in on Thursday and say, you should be spending more money on widgets or whatever. Uh, There will be an opportunity for that.
0: And I don't know that this is relevant to this conversation, but I'll just remind us that the city of Ann Arbor runs on a fiscal calendar of July one to June 30th. So this is the budget that would be implemented starting the middle of this summer. Yep, cool. Shall we change gears? Yeah. Change bicycle gears. All (laughs) right. It is that time of year again where we ask you to tell us things. It's survey time. If you go to ann survey, we've got some questions for you on there about what you're liking about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of. And we also include a couple of questions about what would be useful to you in getting ready for this, this year's election. As you can hear, we're already thinking about it. So please go again, it's annarboraf.com slash survey. That's the link that's active in our Instagram bio and really easy to get to on the website. And let let us
1: know what you think. Awesome. In another kind of election, the nominations for Best of Washtenaw are still open. We are still not yet at the point where you can vote for the finalists. We are still nominating people, which means you can still nominate us for the Best Local Podcast of Washtenaw County. You'll, we have the link in the show notes. It's in the arts and entertainment section. It, the survey, like the, there are so many things you can nominate. There's people so for many more. things you can so vote. More. You can nominate your favorite activist. You can nominate your favorite dance studio, restaurant, food truck. But while you're there, we would love it if you would nominate Ann Arbor AF for best local podcast. You can do this once a day. If you have multiple devices, you can do it more than once a day. And if we make it to the finals, you will continue to hear about this from us when it is time to actually vote and that's it for this episode of ann arbor af come check out past episodes and transcripts at our website annarboraf.com keep the conversation going with fellow ann arbor afers on twitter at the a2 council hashtag and facebook in the ann arbor housing for all group and hey if you want to send us a few dollars at ko-fi.com slash ann arbor af to help us with hosting, we always appreciate it. We're your co-hosts, Molly Kleinman and Jess Letoff, and thanks to producer Scott Trudeau. Theme music is I Don't Know by Grapes. You can reach us by email at annarborafpod at gmail.com. Get informed, then get involved. It's your city.